0: We've had like four different infrastructure weeks over the past 12 months, and it appears that all we have to show for it are hundreds of shitty plug and razor scooters littered around the sidewalks <laughs> of San Francisco. <laughs> so do you think this is what was meant every time, like with all the false starts, like is is this the
1: culmination of infrastructure week? It might be. It's It's certainly the furthest it seems like we've gotten so far. This just happened all of a sudden. Oh, I, hmm. It's I, it's like oh, I, don't, I, I don't even know
0: where to start. Like it's it's the it's the it's the transportation equivalent of like that
1: god awful Super Bowl City thing that happened a year and a half ago. Oh, we I was just talking about that. Who I I can't remember who I was talking about, but yeah, I was just talking about that recently. That was a just a, just <laughs> was a, a mess of three weeks. it was yeah. a mess oh. well yeah No, that it was it was literally like three weeks because it was no it might have even been like four weeks because it was like two weeks of setup it was it was like four weeks two weeks of setup it was a week of the actual event and then it was like another week to tear it down mm-hmm. and it was
0: great to be able to walk around downtown with uh, just like uh, armed people with the machine guns because <laughs> that's right that, that's America
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> machine guns and
1: football Mm, yeah, what's what's more American than that? So yeah, so these these damn scooters. Oh,
0: so we'll, well, let's let's clarify it because we'll get into two things. And and um, a friend of the show, even though just, he doesn't know it, Mike Isaac is <laughs> is on the forefront of this, um, and he's made a good distinction because there's two things where I, I know I've I've hastily and jokingly kind of hated on the the jump bike thing just because you know because Uber's history with us. But that is actually, he makes a good point where that is actually, those are being deployed with the blessing and cooperation of the city, and it's being done the right way. Their utility and whether or not you feel that that should be competing with the Ford Go bikes and that kind of stuff, that's all, like, you can debate that. But these damn, like, it's just some random company from LA just descending on the city, just littering scooters everywhere
1: on, on public sidewalks. So it, it it's awful. And, The speed at which this has happened has been truly alarming. It it literally has just been in the last week or so. And while I've considered them a nuisance almost from the start, the thing that I hadn't considered, which you linked me to somewhere offline today, where someone was making the point that these things are legitimately dangerous because obviously they're locked until someone comes and unlocks them through, through an app. And so if someone leaves one of these things in the middle of a bike lane or in the middle of the street or in the middle of a handicap accessible area, there's really nothing you can do about it except like physically lift it and put it aside, which depending on the situation may or may not be possible. So in addition to being just a general nuisance, they're kind of legitimately dangerous too. Well it yeah so it's it's
0: garbage with that where they're just being dumped wherever they want just cuz they they felt that they they started in LA and San Diego and they just they can flood the market and if they're just abundantly everywhere they're just going to do the whole you know the bullshit startup thing where it's uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission right where they're doing they're doing kind of the Uber approach and the person who founded this is is a like a an alumni from Lyft or Lyft or Uber one of them like so they're doing the whole let's just go mess stuff up and and do whatever we want and, and just see how it shakes out. And like, it, it it is a nuisance. It is unsafe on, 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 on two sides where the people who are anybody who actually decides to use these things who are probably not going to use the bike lane are going to in, are going to use a motorized thing on the sidewalk, which is not allowed. And also super unsafe for pedestrians and people, uh, in wheelchairs um people walking their dogs strollers all that kind of stuff so that's garbage and then um yeah and then it's just the, the fact that they just they're lying out there and it's just like unsanctioned garbage and allegedly they're taken in at night because of course because their their gimmick is that they pay people five dollars a night to charge them yeah so just random people just they're like oh yeah take one and just charge it at night and let us use your electricity and they frame it as you can make up to a hundred dollars a night because you can take up to 20 of them <laughs> Um also, and I'll send you a link in the thing, which apparently we just call Slack offline, which I don't think they'd appreciate that. <laughs> um on their website, they are uh, they have they have a pledge to help save our sidewalks. So they're gonna re- grow responsibly, work with cities, and do a whole bunch of bullshit that they aren't aren't actually doing in the Bay Area, at least. Um they also in I don't have the link in front of me, but in, in Santa Monica, uh, I think they were fined $300,000 and they were also, they uh, the city started impounding the scooters.
1: Well, One, and we'll. On, guess, so, no, no, i didn't good. You finished your thought there.
0: Oh, no, I was going to say, and if you want to, if, you, if you're not doing anything tomorrow night, we can go, before the rain starts, we can just go rent a U haul and we can just <laughs> pick these things up. We'll drive the U haul into the bay and
1: we'll just wash our hands of it. <laughs> don't don't tempt me i uh, think that's i think that's called tactical urbanism uh-huh yeah no yeah don't let's not talk about that any further um no so what i was going to jump in and say in relation to your point about santa monica is and what well, this will be in the notes the TechCrunch article which has some quotes from a spokesman from the san francisco municipal transportation agency or the SFMTA, as you would call them um they they are currently uh developing a, a a permitting system for these scooters and they actually wrote a letter to god apparently there's 3 of them i've only seen 2 so i've seen lime and bird and apparently there's another one called spin i haven't seen any of those yet uh but the letter to these companies says as you may know the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency SFMTA in parentheses is developing a permitting program for motorized scooter sharing systems we request your cooperation as we finalize the legislation and permit application. So I have to say, I'm a little sympathetic to San Francisco here because this does just feel like it happened so fast and is certainly not something I would think anybody would have expected to see coming. And it does feel like they're responding to it fairly quickly. I mean, legislation for stuff like this doesn't can't just happen overnight. So I mean we'll see where this eventually goes, but at least so far I'm kind of inclined to say that San Francisco seems to be handling this the best that they can. Oh no,
0: the, like and I don't fault the city at all. Like I think they're do, they're doing as much as they can even though with transit and a whole bunch of other things, like the city has its problems. But I think this is something that's happening to the city because just this, this happened the Bay Area and particularly San Francisco just happened to always be ground zero
1: for any type of uh Disruptive jackassery. So, so I have a. It's kind of like a logistical question, which I don't know. You may or may not know the answer to. But so, is is the expectation that that the five dollar compensation for charging these things at night is going to be enough incentive to have enough of these charged each night so that they're ready to go the next day? Because I assume these things can't last for like more than a day. Like they have to be charged each night like that just logistically doesn't seem like that would all <laughs> work out. Oh, uh, well, startups aren't supposed to make sense.
0: <laughs> but course, like the economic model doesn't have to make sense to start. But no, I and I think the other part of it and I haven't researched this that much, but I think the other part of it is they I think like legally they have to get them off the street at night and that's part of it. Mm. Or that's their strategy to get so, them so away someone, from
1: just being someone literally drives around in a big Bird truck and just scoops these things up.
0: Well, I think that's the whole point where they're trying not to have to build that infrastructure and just get ran, uh, randos to do it a Huh. Because that's the thing where, like, and this is like the Ford, uh, the Ford Cobike Bike thing, like that makes sense because one, it's docked and they're placed strategically to serve uh, like all neighborhoods and that kind of stuff. And then they have people in like a city sanctioned vans who go and Based off computer models, will redistribute bikes to make sure that, like, as commuting trends happen, like, just there aren't five thousand bikes at the Embarcadero and, and like, not
1: where they originally started out. Right. No, I mean this, because this, that's infra- <laughs> Like, because that's how things work. <laughs> no, I mean the the Ford Go Bike system was done in partnership with the city, and it was clearly done with a lot of thought and care. Like, this was not just haphazardly thrown together. Where, I mean, literally, this scooter thing in the last 10 days just feels like someone had a big truck full of these things and you just threw them out the back of the truck throughout the city and said, have fun. Well, they didn't just, they didn't just have that. They also had a hundred million dollars to do it really? because disruption. Oh, mm-hmm. Fucking
0: Forbes thought of the day.
1: No, oh, I know. I, yeah, I'm
0: not a fan of that. Ugh. Yeah, they 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 secured a $100 million round to take the scooter service nationwide.
1: <laughs> Are you okay over there?
0: Uh, something happened in the kitchen. I don't know <laughs> what, but that's okay.
1: I don't know. I don't know if the noise gate will uh, cut that out, but some, something, something sounds like it fell behind you. I think it was the tray from my delicious hash browns from earlier. Ha- hash browns for dinner? Uh, I made myself. Uh, oh,
0: I'm a huge proponent of breakfast for dinner. Okay, so I yeah. made myself a delicious egg scramble okay. with hash browns, and yeah, it's
1: very good. That's fair. Yeah, are you are you not a breakfast for dinner household? Oh no, no, it was. Um, no, I still am. And it, growing up, it was like a treat. We didn't do it very mm-hmm. often, but when we did, it was like, yeah, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah, we'd we'd have pancakes every once in a while. Ooh, just plain or chocolate chip? Uh, we would do both. Very nice. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking, so some, some transition to follow up here, some, um, and, and related to food, um, the lady friend yesterday tried the whole, whole foods delivery through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Have you tried this yet? Because they're all so close
0: and we're a more car friendly place. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, we gave it a try and it's pretty great. I mean, it works just about as advertised that it actually goes through the amazon prime now service so it works exactly the same way where there's no delivery charge but there is a mandatory 10 percent tip which seems pretty reasonable and the, the delivery that we had yesterday literally came in prime now bags so it's clearly going through that same distribution system and I maybe mean, it worked again exactly as advertised i think we had a two-hour delivery window that was, I think, 8 to 10 p.m. And she had put in the order maybe around like 4 or 5 in the afternoon that same day and showed up at, I don't know, about 8.30 or so, and everything was in order. So do you shop through, if you place an order for that, do you shop
0: through Amazon or do you shop through Whole Foods? Yeah, through Amazon. Oh, so wait, so if I just
1: go to Amazon, there's could be like a Whole Foods department? Well, so I... Um, the lady friend had actually had trouble finding where you even start. So I I just Google oh, searched Amazon oh, right on the
0: homepage. Whole Foods. Oh, shit. It's because of all the Alexas. They're listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, right up front, they're advertising that that icky Halo Top ice cream.
1: Yeah, I still haven't found a flavor of that that I really liked.
0: Yeah. What was the one that you were an advocate of? Or oh, no, Wait, I forget if you were the one that said... Uh...
1: Oh, there was there was a, a contentious flavor, and I forgot what it was. I thought, yeah, there was one of them that I don't remember if it was like a cinnamon flavor or or no, you know, I think it might have been like an oatmeal raisin cookie one or something. Yeah, that and I thought, I thought was you okay. were all about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought think. I thought it I thought it was the least bad.
0: Can we talk about Whole? Uh, can we talk about Whole Foods real quick? Their wine selection is always the worst. I don't think I've ever bought wine there. It's really expensive in a really bad selection. Is it like organic wine or something? no it's just it's just weird like you will vaguely know who the wineries and, and the bottlers are and such but like it's just it's not priced well at all and it's it's just it's it's weird and it's not great like wine that's like 7 bucks at Trader Joe's is like 13 there for no good reason hmm and post amazon acquisition other than that whole thing where they're like oh we're reducing the price of avocados and ground beef like it's still super expensive
1: yeah so when we put in the order yesterday I, it seemed like things were a little more affordable, um, but I, part of that could just be I've never been a regular whole food shopper, so I, I can't say I'm I'm plugged into pricing trends there. But yeah, my my take was that some of the stuff did still seem pretty expensive. No. Um, all right, let's get back into the so structured follow up. Oh, or do you have something else? I want to say, I, I have to say, I I mean, I, I think the the scooters warranted the introductory part of the show, but I am a little surprised still that it was not baseball related. If it, it feels like, it feels like, I don't know, I, I'm not getting the same sense of enthusiasm that I normally get from you around this time of year.
0: No, so I mean, I went to the gym earlier and I watched the Giants because it, it was a feel good game today because we were playing the I mirror scored, tor- scored like ten runs, right? Oh man, there were three home runs in the fifth inning. It was, it was, it was like it wasn't because we were really good. Um, it was because they were doing really badly. But but that leads to a feel good game. Like I mean, sometimes you you just you find out you never win anymore, and then you just get tired of the winning. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, but no, like last last year, I it kind of fizzled out for me just because it wasn't enjoyed like the the team was doing not great, but also like the losses were in a lot of ways were embarrassing. So it just wasn't fun to watch. So like in any even if like we weren't like playoff bound, it's usually like if a game was on and there's not anything newsworthy on it, you would just have it on in the background. Uh, but like towards the second half of last season, I kind of stopped doing that. But no, I, I'm psyched. I, I'm I'm happy. Ooh, can can I you won't be able to respond to this, but I'll pivot and I will put a link into the show notes <laughs> okay. um, or I will have you put a link in the show notes. There's uh, you know how they always at the start of a new season, they always do like these very well produced um, advertisements starring the players. Yes. So let me, where's the thing? So this one is kind of what would Buster Posey be doing if he was not playing baseball? And he would have, and their whole thing is that he would have, he would be a, a restaurateur and a great chef, and he would have a restaurant called Pose, <laughs> like like Thomas Keller's Per Se, which I think like all of it is actually super well done and kind of tuned into the culinary stuff. Um, but no, and also it's it's
1: it's Buster Posey, it's pretty great. Yeah, this this is pretty good. His 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 use his use of foam is redefining. Yeah and and he's got the
0: he's got the whole like BS tweezering thing. <laughs> he's, he's he's got that little garnish on there. So very very, very nice. Uh, yeah, so I like it. So the, and I this I think this beats the Toyota ad that he did even though that one has a golden retriever in it. I see. I'm I'm not prepared to go quite that far, but again, we never got an answer. We never reached out to him to find <laughs> out if that's actually his dog.
1: Um well, I thought but... I thought you you you've got a little bit of a of an in with the the team, I thought. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been able to talk to Buster recently. <laughs> but you are, <laughs> you are on a first name basis, though. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, every every person we refer to on the show. Yeah, basically. I kind of like that. That's become our thing where we just you know, we just casually refer to people by their first name. I like that. But it's not even just on the show. It's
0: in real life. <laughs> I'll be like, oh yeah, Buster had a great game. Madison's out for a little bit. Um, it's like that tweet from like two years ago that I I think, uh, I'm sure you saw where it's like, uh, it was an imagined conversation or wasn't imagined, but it's like, uh, some guy talking to his wife and it's like, um, she asks how Steph and he says, Oh no, he got injured. He's out for like six weeks. And then she's like, Oh, uh, I meant our daughter. Yeah. See, that's stuff like that. That's
1: exactly what I was just going to say is that it feels like one of those things. that's eventually going to get us in trouble. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, it's like, um, Something kind of similar that we've talked about. I, th- I think mostly offline. How we have a tendency to sometimes carry inside jokes of our favorite podcasts into real life conversation, which can create kind of awkward situations. Hmm. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever go into a meeting and and and
0: uh, do lasers when somebody <laughs> starts, when they start the Q and A? Haven't done that yet, but I wouldn't put that past me. Yeah. No you see somebody pretending to work on
1: an iPad and you ask if they're part of the (laughs) multi-pad lifestyle." It was, that was really, (laughs) I was, I was on my way home from work when I, when I was listening to upgrade this week and it it just was, it was really, really upsetting when I realized (laughs) that Mike who uses multiple iPads and who's also, I think a relatively regular Apple pencil user would have to have two Apple Pencils in order to achieve that because Apple Pencils really only sync with one iPad at a time. It's not like a AirPods thing where if you sync it to one device, it can hop back and forth. And that's uh, that's that's it's it's infuriating. It really is.
0: You mean it's upsetting that you could just have a computer where you just Command Tab, and and it gives you infinite iPads.
1: So I I don't think I've made this point explicitly on the show before, but I made it offline today, and I I think it's worth bringing in here. It feels like the whole movement for wanting a new iOS device, like what Jason's called the iBook or, or something similar to that, or just like a general move towards iOS devices sort of in the name of having a thinner, lighter, yet still powerful device just kind of feels like a problem we've mostly already solved with the current line of Retina MacBook Pros, and I and I know those devices have issues, you know, specifically around the keyboard. But I I presume that Apple will eventually iron that out. And when they do, it kind of seems like the 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro is already already the device that people like Jason and Mike should want. Like I just I just don't. I don't I don't get the desire for more iOS.
0: So I'm not gonna single them out. Um but what I will say is I, I think the the thesis of the people who are very pro iPad is that a lot of them find it to be less distracting and that iOS if like and that is something that I think is true. I will I will say this is a valid reason to prefer that type of product, is that if you're only doing one thing. Certain types of work are better on an iPad because there there's less cruft. all the um, uh, like window dressing of having like a full desktop operating system goes away because it's a single app type system. So if your main thing that you do is writing, like being able to open up uh, editorial or Evernote and just attach a keyboard and just write with minimal distraction because they're just like, you don't have this dock there and you don't have all this other stuff that could be getting your attention. And if you're like judicious about notifications, like I get that that could be a better experience. I guess it's just for me and I would think most people is that if you're gonna do even two things at once or a type of task that is not exclusive to a single app, that fails really quickly and it's just not worth it.
1: So that's, and that's one of my things is that I feel like the idea of being narrowly focused in one app certainly applies to someone like a writer. But I just feel like in general, most people, myself included, I'm constantly hopping back and forth between various applications throughout Mm -hmm. the day. And I'm, you know, I'm constantly doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and talking, you know, getting up out of my desk, talking to people, coming back. It's just like my, my... (laughs) Like my, you're a big fan of the walk and talk, yeah, uh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 exactly, uh-huh. um I just, you know, being laser focused inside of one app all day just isn't isn't my normal routine. But then I would also point out that even if that is your thing, I mean, isn't full screen support in macOS pretty good now, where you can Eww. basically emulate the experience you get in iOS of only having one app kind of take up the whole screen. I'm the wrong person to ask because I, I I really dislike full screen mode. <laughs> well, that, that's fair. It could be, and that would you know that would jive with the fact that you would agree that iOS isn't where you'd want to spend most of your time. Yeah, and and for me, with the like
0: the other part
1: of this is that like I just
0: don't like I I think that the idea that like people are using computers less is probably a thing. I mean, like it is a thing, but I don't think like that stuff is moving to an iPad. I think people either will like upgrade their computers less frequently and but may probably still have one or like a like a husband and wife would share one. Um, but like a lot of stuff just going to move to the phone. Like I just, I don't see, unless you're like a writer or an illustrator or something like that, I just don't see where if you're saying a computer is too much, then why wouldn't you just get like an iPhone Plus? And then obviate it, just get ignore the iPad entirely, because it's mostly the same thing. You're like if you're going to accept all the trade-offs and kind of oh, limitations of iOS, then why not just like distill it down and just use your smartphone?
1: I also kind of think that part of the issue too is, and I'm not really singling anyone in particular out here, but it kind of just feels like there's in technology there's just always that desire for something new or something different. Like there's never a <laughs> sense of being can. Tent? and I think I think that's part of what bugs me about this too is that instead of stopping and just thinking about kind of how good of a state macOS is in, people are instead just focused on like, well, okay, well, like, what, what's next? What's next? Instead of just sort of appreciating what we have currently. Yeah. Okay. So one, well, and it's turning into a longer topic than I thought it would be, but
0: I and one of the things that so this this thought I promise is related to what you just said. I think one of the things that people do like about like the idea, like I I think what Jason talks about when he talks about this hypothetical, um, like narrowly focused iPad in a laptop form factor thing, the advantages that people like that see are that um, iOS is exceptionally efficient with battery life and using the A series processors, like the ARM instruction set is just way more uh, energy efficient and also, the other thing is, which is like the thing that I've complained about for decades, like literally a decade, is like that uh, OS 10 does not support cellular modems. And like just having embedded cellular on an iPad is insanely convenient, and having it and it still being absent from the Mac is is a real drag. So I think if somebody like likes the i uh, the iPad style interface, but wants to get quote unquote more more work done, I think that product sort of makes sense. But I think the other option, the better option, is just to put a little bit more emphasis on the Mac, do what we're gonna talk about later, which is probably eventually transition away to some type of in-house ARM processor, and put in the legwork into OS 10 to allow cellular to be an option. Like I think there are ways to improve the Mac that close the gap on some of the perceived advantages of iOS, but also keep a ton of what makes the Mac great and allows the i uh, like iOS devices to be so lightweight, but that just means putting more work into the Mac, which Apple seems super resistant to.
1: So, as I, as you were talking there, I looked up battery life on the ten point five inch iPad Pro versus the thirteen inch MacBook Pro because you mentioned battery uh, life as being no. one of the things. The, yeah, but that the comparison's same. wrong. No, it's not though
0: like the thing is like I charge my iPad Pro and I've been using it more because a little bit because one it's it's my across the room alarm clock which I think we've talked about and also I've, I've I've been using it a little bit more for reading and and coloring um the way that it works like it loses battery very very slowly yet manages to be kind of always on with like a bunch of asterisks on that like Macs just aren't the same way like your Mac is either like in a deep sleep or it's like being actively used. Like I don't know. Like I could th- imagine. Maybe it's just that I don't use it much. But I mean, I can imagine not charging my iPad for three days, whereas my Mac I would have to charge every day. So I think in terms of continuous use, yes, you would get like eight to ten hours of each. Although, like probably a little bit less than the Mac, depending on how if you're using Chrome or not. But like no, I don't. I don't think in terms of like a device that you can use. Sporadically for a week, that that really flies. Hmm. Like I, 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 I get the. I think there is merit to the idea that iOS has advantages, but I think there's just work that could to be done that could make the Mac more modern in that sense to give it those same advantages. Because I just don't see how you like if you think iPads are the future of computing. And in the whole what's a computer thing, like uh, there's a lot of stuff you have to do to iOS to make it suitable for more productivity centric applications. Like they did a lot of that stuff with iOS 11, but also like, to be honest, I'm constantly confused on how to use split screen and so many other of those like productivity ish features And, like, you can't run two apps. Like, I can't have two Word docs open side by side. I can't have two Excel sheets open side by side. Um, I can't rely on an app to be just how I left it if I don't use it for an hour. And, like, the whole, like, pointing interface and that kind of stuff. Like, that's just, like, using an Apple Pencil or using your fingers for a ton of applications. It's just not, like, that. Just that's not how work gets done. So, like, I, I just don't. If they were to like go all in saying, you know, like iPads are the future, so much of what makes the iPad and uh, iOS simple has to
1: go away. And then what's the point? And it just it seems like most of what you would need to add to iOS to make it a more functional system would basically turn it into something pretty similar to macOS, which mm-hmm. just gets at my point that macOS is kind of already I think what a lot of people are looking for
0: except for the apps which again well that's the whole marzipan thing or whatever where like apple uh, right hopefully rightfully so kind of acknowledges that the mac apps actually I think hmm, that's an open question as to whether or not the whole initiative to make it easier to write mac apps is based off the premise of acknowledging that the mac app store is a failure or not which I'm not sure apple acknowledges yet but I think that is part of the problem where like there's just this abundance and there's millions of apps available for uh, iOS devices where like if you if you just look for stuff outside of Microsoft Office, Creative Suite, uh, the tra- uh, like uh, the Panic and Omni Outliner software or uh, like Omni Group software beyond that, like it great Mac apps are not like they're not coming out every week. So I think that's that's the other part of the struggle. I think that's well said. Yep. Yeah. Or sorry, I wasn't agreeing with myself that I well said something. I think <laughs> <laughs> we satisfactorily wrapped up that subject. Yes. Um yeah, what else? Yeah, we can. we can. people like you actually you can throw these two links in the show notes. Uh we won't talk about uh, but like the, there's a there's a dying mall. Uh, this was this was vaguely related to the jump bikes thing that we already talked about. But there's a dying mall in um uh, I think it's San Jose. Right, Cupertino. People, Cupertino, a mile away from Apple's headquarters, and people are fighting to not allow it to be housing for people that want to live there. So, and, and the whole NIMBY thing, like I think we've talked about it uh, occasionally. Like, it, it's getting really frustrating It's a bunch of people who bought in super cheap on housing and saw their homes appreciate 2, 3, 4X over the past decade or two, and now do absolutely everything they can to make sure that uh, additional housing units can't come online. Right. Just because they got in early, it's a, it's 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 quintessentially American to just want to say give the middle finger to everybody else. But it's 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 getting a little tiresome. It is. So there's two good links about that that people can check out that you will throw in the show notes. They are already there. Cool. Uh, do you want to talk about the kind of what's happened in the past week for Facebook? Let's do it. Been a few updates. Uh, f- uh mark zuckerberg so i can't uh, just just mark uh-huh yeah. no no
1: no it's for him it's it's the full name. <laughs> <Let's> keep, <laughs> oh that's uh maybe that could be the, the sign that could be the sign of someone who you're not a big fan of you give them the full name treatment
0: show title there we go um <laughs> full name treatment all right uh yeah <laughs> mr zuckerberg uh <laughs> is going to be uh, testifying before the House and uh, Energy, or not House and Energy, is it? No, what is it? <laughs> what, the Energy and something is it? Energy and uh, Commerce? Oh, Energy and Commerce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on April 11th, he will be. Uh, he's likely to testify in front of Congress three times. Uh, people familiar with the matter think, but uh, the first one will be on the 11th, and he will. Been doing the whole dog and pony show. We talked about it last week where I think I was, I think you are less, uh, you think it's more valid or that there's more to be gained from it. Whereas I think it's kind of just like a a way for uh, politicians to get sound bites in to make it feel like they're being tough on stuff. But anyway, that's happening. Um, and also today, uh, it was announced by Facebook that they believe the total number of people affected by the whole Cambridge Analytica, uh, Data siphoning slash sleazy quiz app thing uh has expanded to affect 87 million people instead of the initial media reports of about 50 million. That's that. And there was, uh people should listen to it. There was a good 40-minute long interview uh with Mark Zuckerberg uh on the Ezra Klein show, which is a, a Vox media thing. Um and it was a very candid conversation about kind of what Facebook's role in um, being accountable to their users and governments and what they have to do in the future. Like, like some of it was pretty good real talk. Um, a lot of it was kind of the usual kind of just trying to say what you have to say to protect your future business interests. But it was, it was an interesting conversation where uh, like, um, uh, Zuckerberg didn't give, sorry, I'm having to try really hard not to say the first name. Uh, Zuckerberg <laughs> gave a bunch, uh, like he didn't give a bunch of non answers. You can say he evaded some of the questions, but like he, they were actually it was, it was an actual conversation. It wasn't just like a PR filtered speech thing. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, he he deserves credit for that. I think. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I don't did you did you read the memo?
1: The Comey the Comey memo? No. <laughs> that that that's the Comey letter. That's oh that's the Comey letter. That's yeah. why we're in this uh-huh. situation.
0: <laughs> um. No, uh, Andrew Bosworth. The I, I don't know if he's I don't know if he still is or if he is the former VP of. Facebook, um but he he did a whole thing of like uh basically he posed his reasoning of it is that he posted kind of as intentionally inflammatory insightful um I- I- inc it uh kind of insightful memo to kind of generate discussion but basically what he said is that facebook is kind of a growth at all costs type of business and that um That connecting more people, quote, that can be bad if it's made negative. Maybe it costs a life by exposing someone to bullies. Maybe someone dies in a terrorist attack coordinated on our tools, and still we connect people. Anything that allows us to connect more people often is de facto good. So anyway, it it, it was an inflammatory memo, which he is saying is being taken out of context, and there's a whole lot of other stuff. And the interesting part is that on like the internal Facebook um work chat thing a ton of people were saying that like uh that they they felt more offended not by the memo and its content but by the people who leaked it and their solution was that facebook needs to tighten up its hiring standards so the it seems like the that whole in, in, institutions kind of kind of what people think it is mm-hmm. anyway people can read that too uh since this is your hobby horse i will let you take the tesla stuff
1: yeah, so not not a good week for Tesla. Um so I think the the big news of the week was a um so that, that did, we, did we talk about the crash last week with the Model X? We did briefly. Just briefly, right? We talked about the Engadget story that
0: said it that wasn't indicative of all EVs being dangerous.
1: Oh, right. That that's right. So it's it's since come out that um autopilot was enabled uh during the crash. I don't really think a lot of detail beyond that has come out. Um I, I there was an anecdote that I guess the driver had previously um complained to some friends and family that during some use of autopilot the car seemed to drift towards one side of the lane more than the other. But again, don't we don't really have any sort of um in, further information beyond that. Um I I am definitely becoming a lot more I think I've always critiqued Tesla a little bit for this, but I think I'm becoming a little bit more harsh to them with around just sort of the general branding around autopilot and mm-hmm. what it, what it is and what it isn't. Um, cause it's, it, it, and I saw Tim Stevens had a good tweet about this today about Tesla sort of doing some damage to the autonomous vehicle movement by trying to put their current vehicles out there as being semi-autonomous which is entirely not the case. I mean, auto autopilot today is essentially a relatively good lane centering and adaptive cruise control system and that's that's kind of it. Um and the 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 marketing around it is is just kind of misleading. Mhm. And Again, I think to 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 Tim's point, as as we would say, Tim C or Tim S? Tim S. Okay, he. I think I think that Tesla does do some damage to autonomous driving by pitching something that isn't truly autonomous. Oh, they definitely do, and that's the
0: problem. Like, and we we've we've touched upon this over the years, but like one of the things is because Tesla isn't ever like everything they have is based off of parking sensors and um cameras like it's never going to be to the level and I know Ubers haven't they they had their fatality incident with their self-driving car technology but like they're not even like Elon has said oh, god Mr. Musk has said that <laughs> Getting on the end, he has said that uh, no, the the sensors and the cameras that are in there are plenty good for this kind of thing, and we're just going to stick with that. So he's over promising on what the software can deliver. That's not being supported by the hardware they need to actually deliver autonomous driving in that way. And this is something that I've I've always been super kind of like puzzled by, which is how do states allow them to basically fairly confidently market what is obviously beta software on public roads.
1: Well, and and what's one of the things I noticed in, I don't know if this was just in an article or in a review or something, but when someone was going through the model three and they were showing off some of the menus and different settings, they drilled down into the autopilot section and there's a function um, called auto steer, which is essentially their lane centering system with a couple of other features and it's it's labeled explicitly as being in beta, like it it it's, it says auto steer, and then in parentheses says beta, which th- that's I'm I'm like I'm surprised that that's even allowed. You like know? that's the
0: thing. Like if if you have software that's in beta, like you don't ever like in developer terms, you don't move that into the production server and just let it go and see how it. Like that's that's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Like the thing with Audi, like which like or other manufacturers, like it's their stuff is like so super like. Like They're like, this is a driver assistance feature, and your hands need to either be on the wheel or like one second away from taking over. And the car even gets mad at you if you you don't touch the steering wheel for 20 seconds. Whereas this one is basically like, oh, yeah, just take a nap, read a magazine, do whatever you want, because this this car of the future
1: is just going to do whatever you want. Well, I think that the Tesla system does, I think, also only allow you to have your hands off the wheel for a certain period of time. So if
0: you, and you can also put this in the show notes there, like I sent you a video that somebody put where the car almost crashed itself, um, on like an East coast highway when it was on autopilot mode and it really doesn't do much. Like it, the car was just going on its own for about 20 seconds and then the dashboard just like slowly pulses suggesting you should touch the wheel. It doesn't, it doesn't really alert you or do anything. Hmm. And then you saw that it almost crashed into a median and it was like 10 feet away from yeah. Yeah. That's it's it's pretty jarring, and it's one of those things where uh, Musk and like the company at, at all, like he always sets incredibly ambitious uh, goals and and, and and timelines for what they're going to achieve. And Facebook or not Facebook, Tesla has been missing deadlines left and right, particularly within uh, with uh, in reference to the Model Three and how how many units they're actually able to produce with that. Like I just. For stuff like this that's kind of a public safety thing, and I know driver assistance features and autonomous drivers in the full realized amount of time will be better for society. Like right now, shipping beta software like that just with these grandiose marketing terms is kind of irresponsible. And going off of that, Tesla has been super frustrating in the sense that – have you noticed that any time there's a, any bad press or any incident involving a Tesla, they will Without, I assume it's probably in their terms of service that they're allowed to do this. They will disclose a ton of information that was sent back to their home base servers over cellular about what was going on with the car without the without the without the owner's permission and also without an NTSB investigation. They just come out and say our, our systems were working great like even the the report when they did their initial response with um the Mountain View crash of the Model X they were like oh yeah the city or like the the like California Highway Patrol or or what do you call it? uh the Caltrans like there was a a barrier that should have saved a person's life but it was already crushed so like that was their defense i think
1: yeah i saw that the NTSB was upset that they had released some information about this most recent Model X crash um which yeah is it it is it's 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 irresponsible and it's it's sort of it, it, they they seem to be ultra sensitive to to something that they sort of are bringing on to themselves.
0: Like I, I know they're a young company and like they disproportionately Like I mean, I'm sure there are thousands of of Fords that are involved in crashes every day, but because they sell millions of cars a year, it doesn't matter. I mean, or I mean, you know what I mean. It's it's not news. Whereas Tesla is this new upstart with a brash and and uh, entertaining CEO that it makes huge proclamations, so that garners more attention. And these are by the nature of being like the first mass-produced electric cars that are cool and people want to drive. Like that that makes them a target, or the the like epicenter of all this interest. But yeah, they they anytime there's any critical news. It seems like insanely, like defensive, and also like quasi irresponsible of the way they respond to it every time, with like all these data and uh, all this data and spinning narratives to try to get ahead of whatever story it is before due process or anything else has actually been done. Just no, seems sketchy. Mm-hmm.
1: So you get your model three. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still, t- I'm still torn, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's
0: it. Okay. I think that's it for follow up. You got anything else? I uh, know that's going to the main stuff. We have a lot of news related to, uh, entertainment and, um, the delivery of that entertainment. Um, it's, it's a nameless, uh, group of stories. So
1: we're just going to start talking about it. Oh, uh, da- so, you mean downlink. No. America's yes. favorite podcast segment. Oh, I, if if they haven't heard it yet, I don't think they can they can make that
0: call. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think it has a name because uh, yeah, that, that seems too too close to yeah. Um, you want to take these in any particular way or just do them like quick hits? Let's do them quick hits. All right. So your uh, favorite thing, uh, the NBA, is uh, experimenting with uh, charging people a buck to watch the fourth quarter or the fourth uh, what? I, yeah, the fourth quarter. You, you got it. You uh, got it right. Yeah. Um, of games so yeah if there's an interesting game that you kind of want to watch and you don't want to just wait for the highlights later that's 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 a cool way to get like kind of quick monetization off uh off a quickly depreciating asset which is a
1: game that's almost over <laughs> when i think i mean what's smart about that too is it's it's clearly been derived from what they've seen through viewing patterns with nba league pass where people who have that package I think one of the main things they like to do is, you know, hop around between games and games that are close and nearing the end. That's what they'll focus on. So I'm sure some data savvy person on the NBA side thought, hey, what if we basically just made that a product? And that's that's what this is.
0: So is this officially out or is this
1: hypothetical? Um, I, I don't. I'll well, kind of quickly scan through this. Um in gadget article i i don't think it's out yet
0: i think oh so apparently it looks like it's just kind of like a limited yeah like did they tried sending push notifications for one particular game just to kind of try it out right yeah which makes sense the one thing is i really hope they don't pull any like in market bs with this because it'd be cool to know like if like uh the warriors were having a really close game or, or something was interesting and and I left notifications on for the NBA app that I could just hop in and not have it say, Oh, this is currently showing on Comcast SportsNet California or whatever, you can't watch it or anything like that. Yeah, that's that's probably,
1: but that's probably gonna That's happen. probably gonna how it's gonna work, yeah.
0: Yeah, like nobody nobody wants to watch like I don't want to push notification about the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I don't think Ben Thompson does either. No. Nope. Uh oh, so also YouTube is doing something with the NBA. Didn't actually read the article, so I hope you did. <laughs> Uh, it's it's been a
1: week and a half so well so they're so they're 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 following sort of in the footsteps of what they've um been doing with the um i guess major league baseball um where they are going to be the uh presenting sponsor of the uh nba finals um which um and I'm kind of scrolling to find where they talk about yeah. So with the this is from the TechCrunch article, which we'll put in the notes. But the Major League Baseball partnership, YouTube TV again becomes the presenting sponsor of the World Series for the next two years. That means the game will be referred to as the as the 2018 World Series presented by YouTube TV. <laughs> uh, and so this was, um, you know, I if I'm trying to remember back to the last World Series where we saw examples of this, but it, it's sort of like in game um advertising, um as well as sort of ads inside of the stadium. So it, it's kind of just an elaborate ad campaign.
0: Yeah. So okay, so this is not like the Facebook thing, um, where they're they're running those 25 games. Like this is this is literally just a heavily like like the World Series, where it's just it's just part of like the World Series logo. Like it's just super direct brand integration.
1: Well, so it 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 so they they going back to the NBA piece of this. So it says the finals will air on ABC and will also be streamed on YouTube TV through ABC. Yeah, but would that happen anyway? Right. So I I, yeah. I, I, I I don't know. Okay, so it looks like it's mostly a marketing tie-in. Streaming streaming continues to be confusing and
0: kind of a mess. Hey, that is, it's like we planned that. ESPN <laughs> is launching their their, their Vegas Hell uh, ESPN Plus service on the 12th, which as far as I can tell means that you can watch um, about one extra baseball game a day and there's some other content on it. Yeah, I still, I still don't really understand what this is. So it's $4, I think it's like that, remember that BS AMC thing where they're like, oh hey, you can watch our video on demand that you already get through your cable service except without ads if you pay us like $7. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh,
0: You know, sometimes stuff falls off a truck and it doesn't have ads in it. So for ESPN Plus, fans who pay for the service will be able to to watch more than 180 different Major League Baseball games and more than 180 uh, National Hockey League matches. Uh, About a game per day from each league in each season on the new app, as well as original shows and films and exclusive studio programming. Eh, I don't know. Like I just meh. So yeah, like and if I think it doesn't say in this article, but this still requires having a having access to ESPN proper through either a traditional uh, cable per company or like Sling TV or YouTube TV, right? Right. Yeah. So then, yeah. This is really weird, especially for Disney. It seems like, well, I mean, it just seems like it's go time for these over-the-top services. So it seems like just kind of a unclear cash grab. Like, it, there's no... I don't see a compelling case here. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't either. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Movie Pass is doing a thing where they're... uh, If you pay on an annual basis, the service now only costs six ninety five a month. <laughs> so, you know, they're just they're ironing out that business plan
1: mm-hmm.
0: and somehow they found a bunch of extra money in the couch cushions and uh, I guess their, their CEO figured out how to track us properly. Um, so there's that. Yeah, that,
1: that, that seems like they're going the wrong direction.
0: Even though they took the thing out of the app that's, that has any vestiges of uh, location tracking, I still put the app to never.
1: Yeah. Which is super
0: annoying. It's just kind of like, I, I, yeah, but but it, eh, I have I have nothing to say there because the thing is I don't like I don't if it was if it was more expensive than ten dollars a month I probably wouldn't do it because I don't watch movies so therefore I don't I don't know what I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask. Um, and then the New York Times—did you actually read this? The the failing New York Times. Yeah, uh, fake news, New York Times. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, can you pencil this in? We have to talk about the whole, and I know I don't want to talk about forty-five, but the, the whole Amazon, Washington Post him trying to target them is is that's that let's let's talk about that, mm-hmm. but yeah, so the new York Times had a a profile on kind of the upcoming apple uh original video service and kind of all the stuff that they've done so far, and just kind of like asking the question that I think a lot of people have talked about, which is kind of will there be any content worth watching off uh, off of it like Netflix it took a long time for them to kind of get their get their footing on uh, making content that was Uh, award worthy and worthy of an audience Um, because if you'll remember like Netflix when it was originally called Watch Instant was basically just a bunch of uh, weird movies that were like straight to DVD or like a a seven year old kind of like B movie until House of Cards came out and stuff like that so I think yeah it's, it's the question that's kind of just an open question of why is Apple doing this and also
1: will they be successful after having thrown billions of dollars at it So I think the difference between the situation Apple's in versus Netflix is when Netflix was rolling out their instant streaming service, they had the benefit of being kind of the only one out there doing that. And so the expectation around a service like that was really low. I mean, any sort of new movie that popped up there, new TV show that came on, it was like, oh, great. You know, whereas now the expectation is that any service that's going to come out, and I think the same is going to apply to Disney's new service, too people are going to expect those services to be great from day one, including some big back catalog and really compelling original content, because that's what Netflix and Amazon Prime Video and others are already offering. And so it makes entering this market a lot more difficult, I think, than when Netflix first started. But I mean, with that being said, I I do think that if there are going to be companies that enter this space, Apple and Disney are probably two that are capable of doing so. Disney probably more so because they obviously have a lot more experience. But I think... And that's their core competency and that's their business. Right. But with Apple, I mean, all accounts are that they've hired a lot of really good people. They're putting a ton of money behind the initiative. It seems like they're taking their time like it doesn't say, like one of the takeaways from this new york times article is that we're probably not going to see this service until mid to late 2019 which makes a lot of sense for a service that knows that it's going to need a plethora of content from day one it's like it, it's not as if apple is launching this summer with one show and then it's going to slowly roll out over you know the next 12 to 18 months so i don't know i i it seems like Apple is setting themselves up to at least have a pretty good shot here agreed for me it just goes back to the, the the idea that they don't
0: need to be doing this and it's to use your language like it's just it's not in their wheelhouse they can buy a bunch of people and and give them space to work inside their wheelhouse but like it just it's not something they need to do. It's not relevant to their businesses. I know they want to become a service company really, really badly, but I just don't. It's it's like the whole free trade thing. Like wh- like you're supposed to, you, you optimize for what you're good at. You don't try to do everything. And it, if it's economically inefficient to do so, because not everybody's going to want to pay for five streaming services. Which leads into the, the final thing about the subject, which is uh, Bloomberg had a good... Um, kind of a a reality check um it was an op-ed piece about called tv's death by a thousand streaming apps which is kind of just reminding people that uh the market's super fragmented and when people have content that is um worth watching they will hoard that and keep that to themselves like what's what's the thing that jason's always talking about um on cbs oh the cbs all access yeah, but what, what show is it that he oh, says Star like Trek. his wife? Yeah, so like they're not going to like ever put that on Netflix or Hulu, uh, like because that's the whole reason why you'd sign up for that. So if you want access to all that kind of stuff, like if you want to watch the – like uh, what is it? The, the Handmaiden's Tale and you want to watch um, – what's something on Netflix? Everything's on Netflix. What's an example of a show? If you want to watch the David Letterman uh, interview show or you want to watch House of Cards or Orange is the New Black um, or if you want to like all the stuff like you, it, it's, it's no longer like the cable bundle where if you want to watch Game of Thrones or if you want to watch Breaking Bad or you want to watch um, like college football because they've negotiated and created a curated bundle of things that people actually want to watch. Like if you're having to sign up for all these different services, you're getting a disjointed experience and it's not actually cheaper. So, it, it was it was a good summation and kind of quick way to explain something that we've been talking about for a while. It's not saying that like cord cutting is a frivolous pursuit, although it kind of is. But I mean, like it's it's not that it's it's wrong. It's that the uh, approaching it from the perspective of saving money kind of is. Indeed, I do like on their chart uh, of people of of age demographics. They they call old folks matures. <laughs> Pretty good. So, like the opposite of a millennial? No, no, the opposite of a, of a mature is a Gen Z. Ah, and then come millennials, then Gen X, and then uh, the greatest generation, the baby boomers. Got it. All right, um, I will let you pick our adventure from here. Um, I mean, is there anything to say about the Spotify IPO? I think there is. Okay. Um, Well, first, the New York uh, Stock Exchange hung the wrong flag outside the (laughs) (laughs) – that's the fun part of it. Um, We've talked about this a a little bit, but we can quickly revisit it. Um, You actually posted a Ringer article, which I don't think actually made the cut for the show notes, or uh, it didn't make it before press time, um, about whether or not uh, Spotify is going to be
1: a Pandora or a Netflix well, and that's I think as an investor that would be the big question, right? Um, you know, I think what Pandora has shown is sort of a long term inability to be profitable, whereas you know I think Netflix next I don't Netflix has has had profitable quarters, no. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I it, there. You're always going to have a period of time where you're investing in the business and there's kind of the the promise of future profits. I mean, this is this is famously what Amazon's been able to do, right? But eventually you have to show that you can flip that switch. And so that's going to be the million dollar question with Spotify and, you know, I I personally don't think there's any chance that they're going to ever get there, but um, you know, we I think we've kind of hashed that out here on the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't see the path forward for Spotify being able to achieve that. But that, I mean, that continues to be the, the big question. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about that is just that when you look at how many subscribers
0: they have, and the fact that uh, streaming music has eclipsed so many other revenue streams for the music labels, um, it, it is the future. And as we talked about before, I think somebody eventually has to make money. In that situation, even though Apple can stomach tons of losses, I think Spotify, from a kind of engagement level with the end user and kind of, to say music being in their DNA, but I actually think that's a Pandora um, tenant. I don't know. Like I, I, th- I think they are as well positioned as anybody to be the ones that figure this out, whether it be. Negotiating better contract rates or finding a way to make it so that the music people want to listen to is stuff
1: that they have amenable licensing agreements with. So I think I I think the the most interesting thing potentially for Spotify, which is called out in this Recode article that we're putting the notes, is that the really the only path that I see for them is akin to the Netflix model, where they Netflix sort of took control of their own destiny in a lot of ways by coming coming up with original content. If Spotify can somehow convince artists, more and more artists, to sign direct deals with them, as opposed to going through the labels, that that I think would put a lot of pressure on the labels and potentially put Spotify in a position to negotiate more favorable uh, licensing deals. But absent of that, that's where I just don't see that path towards profitability. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, And then vaguely related, Pandora
0: is kind of expanding their um, – they're kind of taking on an idea that Spotify is – actually, that's one of the other things they do really well is they do fantastic um, personalized and curated uh, algorithmic playlists for people. And Pandora has had – I think it's called Thumbprint Radio Mm -hmm. for a little bit. But they're kind of taking that to the next step and um, they're kind of – they're just – they're kind of, they're, they're Facebook, they're Instagramming what, <laughs> kind of how they, they, they're doing what Instagram does to Snapchat, where they're just kind of taking that idea and they're going to do it on their own. And, and, and Pandora has the data. Like, I mean, if you've been on there for like 10 years, like most people probably have, they've got a lot of data on you and, and they can, if they can make good playlists for that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, whatever, whatever Pandora can do to get more relevant. And that was a segment that you're calling Backstage.
1: Yeah, which I think which I think is pretty good, right? It's a good name. It's a good name. Thank you. Is, it's, not as good as, that... it's not as good as Downlink, but
0: <laughs> but that's not a thing we're gonna call it, so uh-huh. it's it's all good. Just like Claire didn't want to call uh, the thing Family Feud. <laughs> that's a very good episode. Um All right. Apple stuff.
1: We should get into it. I th- I guess we gotta talk about the um the elephant in the room, as you would say, uh, which is this rumored transition away from Intel chips. Which I'm—I have to say, I'm going to kind of lean on you a little bit on this topic because I—I I was a bit of a fair weather fan and came along to the Mac post transition to Intel. So I don't have a lot of familiarity <laughs> with the uh, PowerPC days. So I, I can't really speak to how the transition from PowerPC to to Intel was. Yeah, you're like you're like a Giants fan that joined in, uh, in <laughs> 2010. 2010. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, fear the beard. Uh huh. <laughs>
0: whatever whatever the apple equivalent of that is fear the fear the forestall. <laughs> right um yeah so Gurman has the scoop and and he like i don't uh, have has upgraded and have other people talked about this yet i like i don't know what the the confidence level is on this but it sounds pretty promising
1: well i mean i think it i mean and, 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 and in fairness to to German, I there is definitely some some level of original reporting here because there are dates and plans etc but i mean this is this has been an idea for a while now
0: well, yeah, but the thing is, like, if you, if you look at other people, like, um, remember when the original Surface came out and it ran on an ARM processor, but right. they had that Windows RT thing and yes. everybody hated it? Just because, like, everybody had to rewrite their apps for ARM and you had this, like, weird, funky version of Office. Like, yeah, it, it, so I think the idea of ARM-based computers due to the power efficiency and some of those other things are, have been compelling ideas for a while. I think the implementation details have made it so that it's so such a non-starter that most people thought like, oh, that's something Apple might do, but they probably won't. But if you look at it, like Apple has had just such enormous success since they bought PA Semiconductor and they've been able to just mop the floor with um, Qualcomm and the other people. Like Because if you think, if you, all right, so I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you compare the benchmarks, what's what's the name of the processor that's in the iPhone 10? The A11? The A11 Bionic. Yeah. So, like, if you benchmark that against um, whatever the the highest-end Snapdragon processor that's in, like, the Galaxy S9, like, the A, the performance per watt and, like, just how fast the A9, or, sorry, the A11 is, like, it's insane. Because Apple has just done so much work to make really, really speedy in-house ARM processors. And people have um, made the comparison of, like, if you look at that, like, the dinky um core M processor that powers the uh the MacBook One. Like compared to like the power you're getting out of it like a, an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 10, like that's it's in a lot of ways the the ARM processor is actually faster. So that's the whole thing here, whereas it maybe it's matured to a point where Apple is actually ready to put those in some or all of their um portable and desktop computers which is which is pretty interesting um, cuz if you remember cuz yeah I think you switched to a Mac in 2009 yeah that's right yeah um yeah like uh they moved away from uh PowerPC uh, IBM's PowerPC architecture uh, around 2007 when they released the uh original Intel Core Duo um iMac and MacBook Pro, and that was prompted by Motorola. Or was, wait, actually, is it IBM or Motorola that makes PowerPC? It doesn't matter. That the the that the G5 was never a. That was the flagship processor that they had in the Power Mac and in the iMacs, but they were never able to scale it down to the laptops just because it ran too hot. So therefore, we just l- suffered through PowerBooks and iBooks that had really old and slow g4 processors because they just couldn't figure out a way way to make the g5 work so then intel was able to offer them an easy transition to processors um, that were much more efficient and and way faster and generated way less heat so apple then had to do a thing where they moved away from the PowerPC architecture and moved everything to x86 intel and they for a while had to do a thing called universal binaries where they um you also included one big file that included PowerPC code and Intel code and over like three versions of OS10 they they got rid of that. So that was like 15 years ago or 13 years ago. So now they're potentially going to do it again and as we were talking about like an hour ago <laughs> with the iPad stuff like ARM does have some advantages in terms of battery life and the instruction set being more efficient in certain ways. So that's where their in-house processor fabrication is kind of making it to a point where it kind of makes sense for the Mac now. So I guess Gurman is just saying that that's actually probably further along than we than anybody anybody may have thought, and that might be coming in 2020.
1: And it makes sense because of what Apple likes to do, right? They like to control the experience end to end, and it's it's never really made a lot of sense at least in more recent years to have apple be dependent upon intel's roadmap.
0: Yeah, that that one's tough though just cuz apple up until like uh, up until the most recent um like the the macbook pros with the bad keyboards, like they had they just even though apple or even though intel was releasing new processors, they weren't ever updating them. They just kept selling the same old processors. Um, at, the, at the same price. So that,
1: that's, that's sort of my point, though, is that maybe the way that the cadence at which Intel was releasing those processors just for whatever reason didn't jive with Apple's manufacturing patterns. Like, I I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was just some disharmony there. Yeah,
0: like, I mean, if, if this gets the Mac more attention, then the, do it. <laughs> just any, anything that you possibly can is is amazing news. The only thing is a lot of the hot takes related to this that like suggested that like oh no this is this is this is a gigantic blow to Intel, is it? Like I mean I know I know Apple's shipping like four million the Max a quarter, but is it?
1: Yeah, that, that's hard. Yeah, that that part's that part's hard to say. I guess.
0: Like I mean I know Intel like because Intel's struggle is that like they because uh, uh, <laughs> because I'm an old person, like I don't know if you if you remember I know you, I don't think you had one, but like uh, the, back when they had the the pocket PCs, like Intel had a type of processor called the Intel X scale. And they had something that was competitive in mobile hardware um and mobile processing. And then they just gave it up. And they've so they've totally sat out this entire smartphone revolution, which has sucked for them. Like they like and because people are buying fewer computers and other than like just data center purchases, like it it's it's been a rough go for them. So like they they need something. So this is kind of a thing for them,
1: but I don't know, is it really? So is this is this then the rumor that we're also going to get sort of a new unified Apple operating system, or is this going to come at some point later, or is it not clear here?
0: Well, so it's it's unclear, but it depends.
1: Like so, it, like when they it's like that was their
0: whole thing because when uh, Apple was finding that they couldn't get what they needed from. IBM or Motorola. I'm pretty sure it's Motorola actually for power for the G5 and PowerPC. Like they they just started making a cross-platform version of OS10 for a few years where just as they were developing it in parallel they were making a version that ran on entirely different architecture and, and, and processing instruction set um, so that when it was time it was a, it was a fairly seamless transition and the only difference is they had to make tweaks to xcode and put in on the Intel Macs they put in a software called Rosetta which was able to do real time uh, real time translation of power p c instructions to x eighty six so that you could still run apps that hadn't been redeveloped and recompiled for intel so like it's it's gonna be an adjustment but I don't think this is like or i mean i the famous last words but like I don't think this is gonna be the thing that um causes like us to get mac os eleven where it's like some massive rethink so Again, anything that gets them talking about the Mac.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's
0: true. <laughs> As somebody again, because we're people who uh, we actually like the little girl said, we actually have heard of computers and, and we know what they are and we kind of like them because they work pretty well. So we hope that they continue to exist and hopefully they make one that has a keyboard that doesn't get mad if you uh, eat a French fry over it. <laughs> my 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 n key has been working okay recently. It was it was touch and go there for a while. Hmm. Um other did you have anything else to add about that
1: no but i I am totally in line with Jason's thinking on this in the sense that this is the main question for Apple and is going to be for you know the next five to ten years i think like there's there's clearly gonna be a transition period that happens here where it's not in Apple's best interest to maintain two completely separate operating systems. There's going to have to be something that happens there, but the, you know, the million dollar question is what that's going to be. And so I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting.
0: Okay. I'm going to force you to go on the record here. Five years from now, are iOS and Mac still distinct things? And like, has the Mac been updated in the past year? In five years? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, because ten years is too hard to say. Just because the thing is, like,
1: there's no like iOS has to eventually. Like, you should you should have pushed me there. I I, so I would say five years, yes, but I would say ten years, no.
0: Well, but the the difference of like that's what I'm about to say, which is like the difference in ten years is like if you think about iOS, sure, it's gotten a lot of improvements. It hasn't been rethought since day one. Like other than the fact that it no longer relies on iTunes and iOS seven and to a lesser extent iOS ten gave it a new coat of paint. Like so much of it is fundamentally exactly the same as it was in two thousand and seven, so in ten years, I don't think iOS looks exactly the way it does now no I, I i don't I don't think it does either but but i I don't like again, like the conversation we were having with the ipad like i don't i don't see how they keep the simplicity of the iPad and match what the mac does and i don't think they're just like, "Oh, we'll go use Windows now just because like how how are people going to write the software that runs and powers the ios devices because like marco actually made a made a good point recently where like it's probably unlikely that xcode ever comes to ios and if it does it's like it's not going to be full featured and uh like ios devices are probably never going to be programming and like heavy duty computing devices you can make the argument that they're good for 80 to 90 percent of consumers but they're not gonna like this the gulf is too big between what the Mac does and what that does and like even with Apple's like horrific apathy towards real computers um like I I don't like they're not like they they can't just say no we don't do
1: that we shall see
0: yep <laughs> uh if I actually that's uh that'll be episode 370 alright right, <laughs> right. <laughs> on the calendar alert uh huh Um. All right. Uh. Well, actually, we mostly talked about this. But Walt Mossberg had a thing. Let me let me see if I can let me pull up the tweet. So yeah, ditching Intel chips. So he says, if this is true, it's another step uh, towards the next great Apple machine—a consumer laptop that runs iOS, call it the MacPad or revive the name iBook, use the trackpad the way 3D Touch is used on iOS, and easily move the cursor and build more tricks into it. I'll buy it. I don't know. I, I I sincerely don't know if that happens because it just seems like it, it seems strange that that would exist alongside a Mac and that type of product. Like I don't know. Maybe just Apple needs to lean in harder on making good first party accessories. Like why can't they just evolve the smart keyboard?
1: It it's bizarre. I, I I don't I don't know what's I don't know what's going on there.
0: And what is so? And not to derail us again. Like but like with the education event from last week. Like, I'm super uh, intrigued slash confused about, like, the whole Logitech partnership. Like, is it that they are, like, just from a design and aesthetic perspective, like, they don't want to be associated with something that makes an iPad rugged for for schools? Like, why why can't they just make a first-party thing that does exactly what they want? Like, why does this have to be outsourced to somebody else?
1: Yeah, I I have no idea, and then that's that's been the case kind of since day one of like the Smart Connector, right? Where wasn't Logitech the only third party keyboard available, and it may may still only be, or may still still only be the the only third party option there is. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, where it sounds like with that, they wanted to make
0: a detachable keyboard, and they're like, "Oh, well, maybe we should give the illusion that we're actually trying, and let's let's uh, open this up to somebody else." But uh, Logitech is the only person that cares, and there's probably licensing fees and stuff like that with it. Like, I don't know. Like, if they actually, if if they're, if uh, we're, we're not going to get into the education thing, a- a- ATP had last week had a very, very, very good discussion about the education stuff. So I know your podcast debt is, is, uh, it's got it's seemingly, got ins- <laughs> yeah, I, I, it may seem insurmountable, but I, I, I would, uh, fast track that episode. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, just the education part. Uh, but it was, it was very good. And, and a to a repeat shout out to Mike Hurley for bringing up the point of kind of what Apple's, what the reality of education is versus Apple's, um, high dollar AR experience. Yes. Um, Apple is pushing for uh, representation in Emoji uh, with the Unicode uh, Consortium uh, for uh, accessible designs, which means, selfishly, that if Apple pushes hard enough, there might be guide dog emoji. That would be pretty great. Pretty good. And then you would probably know more about this than me. Um, Apple has hired uh, the former uh, chief of AI and search from Google.
1: which. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's... So, what I said earlier about, I think, the most interesting question about Apple being sort of their platform strategy over the next five to ten years. But I think, you know, the, if, if we're stack-wrecking things here, the second most interesting thing for Apple is their position in AI. Um, I I do tend to think that systems like the Lady in a Can and Google Home are are pretty important like i'm not i'm not going to sit here and suggest that they're going to obfuscate the smartphone or anything like that but i do think it's going to be a pretty big already is a big and will become a bigger segment in in kind of our our t-word sphere and beyond and so i think apple's um position currently where they're they're pretty far behind I think where some of their competitors are here is a is a big deal and I think it's something that they need to address sooner rather than later and so you know hopefully this is the first of many moves that Apple takes to to kind of try to get Siri caught up with some of the competition.
0: Do you remember the article from like a month ago where some people who were on the Siri team kind of came out and explained a lot of why they think Siri is the way it is?
1: I don't remember that.
0: Uh, I'll I'll look up and I'll send it to you the to the article, but uh, dump it in the show notes. But uh, like, so that goes to a question I have for you. Do you think Siri is the way it is because of Apple's intentional neglect, or like, do you do you think the whole smart home thing, or not smart home, but like the smart assistant thing, like snuck up on them? Yes. Really? Yes. Like you thought you you think that like they're like no like the structured way. That Siri can return the weather for you and add a reminder, except and and, and to set a timer, but not to at the same time because who would do that? Like you, you think they thought like that's good enough?
1: Yes, I'm not, and I I still don't think they're fully bought into like smart home technology either. Because even like, <laughs> yeah, home, HomeKit definitely. HomeKit is very, very half-assed. Like, and it's it, <laughs> and it's it's interesting because they were one of the early ones to attempt to come out with sort of a unified platform for smart home um, standards. But then they much and much like the, what they did with Siri, they kind of put it out there and then have just let it sit there and have. Very slowly and very in a very iterative way, improved upon it, but not really given it the same level of focus as, like, I think I mean just think about like iPhone hardware for a minute and think about how much the iPhone hardware hardware continues to improve year over year. Like it is clearly something that Apple is a thousand percent invested in, but you can't look at you can't look at Siri or HomeKit in that same way. And so I, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't think they're fully bought in on this stuff yet.
0: The smart home thing, I think maybe, like, I may maybe I would agree. Like, I think, cause I think they're kind of trying. I just think the home, I just think the way they think it, it actually all comes together is just really wrong. Like, I, I, I just think Apple kind of like with education. I just think that they think Apple is like, everybody has infinite money and they're willing to buy things that work in a very specific way in like the idealized way apple thinks it's gonna work which is why the home app on ios 11 and the widget and all that kind of stuff is just so weird and and and, and so not fully baked and and, and it's unintuitive The 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 siri slash ai thing like i don't i i they they have to have that like they have to realize that the HomePod could be a good product if it had the 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 smarts in the back end to back it up. And that as you go forward, like I don't know if you've used a pixel or if you if you used Google Assistant, but it's really good. Like it's not even like just that oh it can it, it like has all the knowledge of Google and it's able to answer a lot of questions quickly for you. Like it's just it's just so much better and it's night and day. Like it's just I I don't see where Apple thinks well we make n- Good devices that are privacy focused, and customers seem to like them. And in uh like, I I, did, I don't think they think that's enough anymore. Like that, then uh, Tim Cook, like there's no there's
1: not, it's not the case that nobody at Apple has like brought that bubbled that up. Well, I mean, I think it's it's got to be one of two things, right? It's got to be they got caught flat footed and maybe still don't really believe in. AI or smart home stuff, or that's not the case. And they saw it coming and they just haven't been able to execute on a solution. I mean, wh- which, which is worse. Uh, it, it, it checks in the call, the last column for
0: both, <laughs> but that, and that's, but that's the troubling thing or not the troubling thing, but like, but like AR kit and all that. Kind of so like, there is some stuff like that, which I mean, that's not my, that's not my jam, but like, the, like they, they're kind of leading on that. So they at least acknowledge that some kind of newish technology is going to be important in the future. I I just don't understand how they think that voice being the natural extension of a lot of computing is, I I don't know.
1: It kind of seems like where Apple's at its best is kind of waiting to see what a market does, not participate for a while, but then come in with a really great solution.
0: But this is the one situation where that doesn't work.
1: Well, but right. But then in the case of like with AI and Siri, Siri was was one of the big first platforms out there, at least consumer wise. But then, you know, the Apple didn't really do anything with it. HomeKit, same way for smart home stuff. It was one of the early systems out there. And oh, they I, OK. Then they didn't really do anything with it.
0: Actually, that's that's a good example, or, that, or that's that's a good trend to see. But I do think I I do think that one's really tough with AI or with this kind of stuff, just because it, like because the the Amazon and the Google stuff is is constantly learning, like it's it, it it's almost like it's an insurmountable lead that they get just because it, it they're not standing still, right? Yeah, and if you just if you keep feeding the the network more information, it's it's gonna Eventually, it's going to kill us. But right now, it's kind of useful.
1: It, the, the the lack of development with Siri and the lack of progress with Siri, I think, is is just it's fascinating. It's I I, I can like I would not have believed you if in when when did Siri Siri was it a twenty ten iOS six iOS six
0: because I remember Scott Forstall on stage asking what was the score of the Giants game. And there was there was lots of heavy skeuomorphic textures on it. And yeah.
1: So was that was that
0: 2010, 2011? No, it was iPhone 4S time. So 20, 2010. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, If you like back then, if you showed me what Siri would be like in 2018, like that would just be such a profound disappointment.
0: And and if somebody also told you that the owner of the Washington post would have a listening device in your house that would turn off your lights. You would have been no, no, the, the people that, 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 that shipped me the, the things. No. Oh, and, and they bought
1: a grocery store chain too. Don't forget that.
0: Oh, and, and, and they're, they're in a fight with the, with, with the
1: president of the United States <laughs> because, because of fake news. Right. Do you want to close with that Amazon Trump thing?
0: Let, let's, let's do it. But also we live in really stupid times.
1: Yeah. We can agree on that.
0: Um, uh, yeah this 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 easter was a we had a bad easter this year this <laughs> as a country sorry i'm not talking about me personally like you you have the president hold on let me let me let me load up my Twitter favorites um uh stall for time mike isaac uh what's the things that's good all right um Yeah, I can't find it. Anyway, somebody pointing out that, uh, like, yeah, like you have the president of the United States, which again, if you were told that the uh, that the president would be a reality TV star, that would be bad enough. But um, using an Easter Sunday address to a bunch of children at an Easter egg hunt to talk about uh the need for uh, the Democrats to uh, or announcing that the Democrats had failed on a uh, on. Finding a solution to DACA, which is something that I still don't think the president actually understands, and is also the cause of that issue. Um, like, would would you ever have imagined that that is where we would be, and that the president would wake up at six in the morning and use a captive audience of forty-five million people on Twitter and all of the media attention to pick a fight with a private citizen who? owns an e-commerce company who he feels is wielding uh the time and reporting of a bunch of journalists who are doing ethical work um and, and trying to find a way to scheme a government agency like the US Postal Service to uh like like it it it, it I I don't even know you you can't even uh, that is the definition of can't even mm-hmm. yes Oh um because it it's really dumb just because the impact of Amazon on the United States Postal Service like them like the reason Sunday delivery exists in much of the United States is because Amazon is paying for it the US Postal Service has had some really rough years and supplementing the lack of postal mail due to the internet with like parcel service that Amazon is paying for is a net positive. But you have somebody like, I don't know, man. Like, like what, what is your take? Like what, like the, the picking the fight with Jeff Bezos over his acquisition and the accurate reporting of the Washington post. Like how do you square this? Other than just being profoundly
1: disappointed. I don't think there is anything to square and any, any other feeling than disappointment. I mean, it, I think there's there's two things happening here. There is Trump not liking the Washington Post's accurate reporting about him. And Maggie Haberman has talked a bunch about this, where, I mean, the reality is that Trump just does not like when people cover him accurately. He thinks that that's unfair. He wants to craft his own reality, which is bizarre and scary and, and all that. But that's clearly what's happening here. And then secondly, I don't think something that can be um, underestimated is that Bezos is number one on Forbes' um, most wealthy people in the world, or at least in the United States. And Trump has fallen significantly on that list. Well, we have no, we have no idea if he's even a millionaire. <laughs> right. And that has, to, that has to bother him greatly. And I think th- I mean they they had just announced recently that he had fallen some number of spots, so I would not be surprised at all if if that was also somehow tied into this. Which again, this leaves you feeling confused and disappointed. It does. How, how can you hold? How can you literally hold the most powerful position in the world and be so insecure? I, it, it, <laughs> um, well, you're, we're living it, but I mean,
0: it's. When is this party going to get in in line with the like just how for how long can you just turn a blind eye to just perpetual lying to the American public
1: as long as your party holds the majority but uh,
0: but no like
1: uh, are there am I
0: am I just uh, pining for like this this day that never existed of like mr smith goes to washington yes. like like yes it partially existed i don't believe that the 1996 congress was just i i don't think something has changed There there's no way like this just it, it makes no sense that literally every tweet has what could be a a, a verifiable lie in it yet here yet here we are Every time Darth uses that, it makes me really happy. <laughs> um, all right, chef, chef special. Uh, no, give me anything positive. <laughs> Any anything? I don't care what it is. Is there a corgi or something coming up? Oh, that's twice a year. Uh, oh, of course there is, but that's not positive. Or, or that's that, that that's I that was already a known quantity. That's that's already that's already been priced into stock expectations. How's the how's the fancy camera? Eh. It's, it's killing me. Um, have you have you watched any movies or TV that you like? That's it's actually
1: going to be a pick of the week. Yeah. All right. Sorry, as a chef special. Anyway, all right. Let's so maybe do it. maybe it's maybe it's that's a for a forced transition into that segment. There we go. I'm an expert. Or I'm a professional. Um. So last night, this is going to be a TV pick for you. So last night was the final episode of Fixer Upper. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make that my chef special this week. Um, this was, this was the show that was sort of my, my gateway into, um, HGTV. It's, it's, it's the lady friend's favorite show on that network. And it's, it's, it's very good. I, I would say that you don't really have to be super into the whole home improvement thing. Um, mostly just because Chip and Joanna are both extremely pleasant and entertaining people. So I'm
0: looking at cover art for the show and of course his name is Chip, that's
1: perfect. <laughs> um and I mean, you know, the the lady friend and I have actually like traveled to Waco to to visit their store and all that kind of fun stuff. So, you know, we we we've been pretty pretty invested in the show over the years and um so again with the, with this last episode airing last night seems like a good time to call that out as a uh as a chef special,
0: sorry, season finale or
1: series finale series finale. Oh no. Why uh, do they just, they're just, uh, well, I mean, so, so Joanna's having another uh, kid soon and I, you know, I, the, the show's gone on for five years now and they've got, they've got a ton of other things happening in their life. So just seemed, I guess it just seemed like time to kind of do something different. Um, okay. So they are, they are a couple. Yeah, they're married.
0: Okay. Um, Hmm. And is this a feel good show? Oh, like very, is, very or, much so. I guess I should ask: like, are there any like uh, gotcha twists, or is it literally, you know, like it's it's all positive? We're just trying to make this house better.
1: I mean, you know, I mean, they they run into like issues, but it, that's not the kind of central premise of the show. Okay, but there's no
0: there's no like games or there's, oh, there's no, no, no this no. is this isn't like a cutthroat kitchen or any like no. any kind of like food network
1: stuff. No. Okay, I can get behind this. Yeah, no, you should tr- watch an episode or two. I, I, I actually, I think you, you'd you'd like this one. Yeah, is this available? Is there any
0: back catalog on Netflix or anything like that?
1: You know, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's it's got to be on. It's got to be on demand, though. Uh, fixer
0: Upper on demand, and you know it's good because it it actually crossed into the Ringer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- there you go. Oh, I I, have to, I
0: would have to sign up for Hulu.
1: Mm. Dang. Hmm. Yeah, HTV and Food Network are both a little weird with um, kind of back catalogs of content. Yeah, I think Food Network still does not allow you to use their Apple TV app as a Xfinity subscriber. <laughs> oh, because they, they have the
0: whole Discovery Scripts Comcast. Feud. Yeah, right. Uh, and when there's a few, the customer always loses. <laughs> um, can you watch Fixer Upper on Netflix? no see google knows all there all you right.
1: go
0: okay my chef special um is going to be the phil app oh okay yeah so phil's is a coffee a coffee they're only in northern california mostly right i i had certainly never heard of them until moving to san francisco so yeah. like i you know they've, they've expanded but they're, they're a they're a regional coffee shop and they have they have Pretty great coffee. It, it is a bummer that they're, they don't offer any espresso uh, options in case you're not feeling like a black coffee or a nice coffee. But uh, it's still good. But they redesigned. Like before, when they had mobile ordering, they first had it through an app called Order Now, and then they switched it to Caviar, which I think is run by Square. And then they took it in house. And I think when you brought this up to me, I was like, I was I was very skeptical, and I was like, Oh no, because like most, um, uh, like specialized apps for any restaurant or service unless they're a gigantic company it's usually very very bad but this app is delightful it's really really well designed it's easy it supports apple pay out of the box because like that's another thing where like when you're going to like a regional restaurant like you you, don't think that they're like payment processing specialists where you're going to feel sketchy about putting your credit card into some random app and you're going to have yet another account that you have to sign up for. But this one, nope. You pick up what you want. Use GPS to know where you are. It gives you the estimated time of when you're going to be able to pick up your drink. You do your thumbprint. You get, or in your case, your face ID. And you just Apple Pay and you're on your way. It is a fantastic application and it's beautiful and I really like it.
1: it it's really, really well designed. It's whimsical, but also very functional. Yes, Thank you that is exactly it because if you like cuz yeah I
0: totally forgot that which is like it it ha- it's fun right that's the thing where so much of this is like not like have you ever used well also we won't talk about this cuz it's a derail but Panera's app where no, also I haven't. if you well good because uh they had a data breach where <laughs> your email address your password the last four of your credit card number and all of that is now out on the internet oh, good. uh cuz they didn't yeah anyway but the thing about um the Philz app is like it's really fun to use, it's beautiful, but also like if you it has like a profile section where there's like like mild like it's not and it's not annoying like gamification where it tells you like how many products have you tried, how many shops have you visited, how many uh baristas have you met. And then when you do an online order, the little label says your drink was made with love by whoever actually made it. It's like it's it it's it's fantastic. So yeah, it's 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 really good. So if you live in Northern California, or apparently there are some in uh, on the East Coast, uh, you should give that app a try.
1: Oh yeah, I think I'd heard they expanded somewhere like in the D.C. area. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another reason to go. Yeah. The, the only thing it's missing, um, which I, I don't fault them for, because I assume it's it's kind of a, a slow rollout kind of strategy here, is but it's it's missing food, which in their previous order ahead solutions you could also order food as well.
0: Yeah. Have you been waiting around the extra ten minutes to get your avocado toast?
1: Well, so I've had mixed experiences actually in the past with Phil. So the I've used this app, the new app one time and, and that was fine. Um but in, in previous experiences I've I've had situations where I would have been better off waiting in line in the store and ordering. Because hmm. I, I've gone in and like my order ahead order's been lost or something. Um uh, so I, I, I don't know, kind of, I've, I've kind of, I've had mixed, mixed experiences. Uh, what is your favorite food item at Phil's? The, the avocado toast. It's, okay. it's really, really good with, with, with egg, of course.
0: So you, you split your time between, uh, Phil's and Pete's or is it, does Pete's probably get the majority of your business?
1: Um, I mean, Pete's is, Pete's is a little more convenient for, mm-hmm. um, my particular office location. um. But you know, I, I think lately I've been lately I've been going to Phil's a little bit more, um, and I've also kind of rediscovered uh, Blue Bottle recently.
0: Oh, oh yeah, you. I think you mentioned it. I think this was an online or on the mic conversation, uh, but that you tried out Mike's recommended recommended combo of
1: um, what was it? This the New Orleans cold brew, which I had had before and knew I liked. But then what I didn't know about was their ginger molasses cookie. Ooh, they are excellent individually, and they are even better together. Very nice. It's a great, great combination. Yeah. And if anybody is going
0: to Phil's and they don't want a uh, a traditional black coffee beverage, try the ginger snap. I with, uh, yes, that is. Uh, it is so good. That's almost exclusively what I get there. It's very, like yeah, because the the uh, uh, pro tip mint mojito is so gross. Ugh. Don't buy it. Yeah. yeah super gross and then the mocha their mocha is is way too chocolatey and not like it's basically just like caffeinated hot chocolate don't get that but no the, the ginger snap is amazing just make sure you you keep it extra creamy but uh, sub in uh, stevia for sugar so that you don't kill yourself with sugar and it's great
1: yeah i um i'm mostly a cold coffee drinker person so whether that mm-hmm. be iced coffee or cold brew I, I i drink very little hot coffee anymore even on a cold morning interesting occasionally but most of the time i I stick with cold coffee hmm. for me it's it's a it's an eleven forty five 45 a.m cutoff of when it's ice versus hot coffee yeah that makes sense but yeah i know the the ginger snap uh it was i think the very first coffee i ever had at, at phil's and, it, and it, it continues to be almost exclusively the the only thing i get there
0: nice and uh last thing uh phil's switched to a square register uh, which oh, which yeah, is, I saw that which is weird because also uh, they, they have like eight signs saying here's where you insert your card because that product that product is designed where it's impossible to know where to put it. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer that you can't tip in the fills app, but you can tip in person, which is kind of weird because if you mostly use the the mobile app because it's so convenient, you kind of you kind of feel like a bum. Hmm.
1: Yeah, but see again that that feels like something that they'll probably just roll out over time.
0: Yeah.